Welcome to We Are Unstoppable, sponsored by the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. I'm your host, Les Shapiro. And I'm your co-host, Vic Lombardi. Now, each episode, we'll bring inspiring interviews with great athletes, celebrities, and the most brilliant minds in medicine on how to beat adversity to win in life. So thanks for spending time with us as we bring you one step closer to becoming your best unstoppable self. In just a minute or two, we're going to talk with Annabelle Bolin. She is the daughter of the late Denver Broncos owner, Pat Bolin. And Annabelle is going to talk to us about how Alzheimer's has impacted her family. Both her father and her mother, who is still living, uh, have had Alzheimer's. But first, Vic, I know you knew Pat Bolin well. I knew Pat well as well. Um, He got to Denver in 1984, the same year I got to Denver and went to work for the NBC station there in town. And and I consider myself a a friend of Pat's. And I consider Pat somebody who I could sit down and, and talk with and 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 talk honestly with we had some great chats in the lunchroom over at the broncos he would invite me in to come sit down and, and have lunch and he would tell me basically anything i wanted to do and i was kind of yeah. flabbergasted by that because you don't usually get that type of honesty that type of um blunt conversation with the owner of a sports franchise so i, I was heartbroken when when pat died he was such a great owner uh, one of the better owners, not just in, in the NFL, but in all of sports. The consummate owner. You know, the the one thing that I'll remember most about Pat was every time we were at the facility, we used to do the coaches shows and we'd go to the um, the bubble at the time when the bubble existed. He was always on those Stairmasters. And I'll never forget thinking, this guy is more in shape than his players. Workout I mean, fiend. Guy, yes. I mean, he's a former triathlete. I, I've never seen somebody in an ownership capacity, work as hard as Pat Boland. And I may never see that again. It was something to behold. Well, let's bring in somebody who knows him, knew him, I should say, a whole lot better than we did, and that's his daughter, Annabelle. Hello, Annabelle. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is so exciting. Well, we're, we're very, very happy to have you with us to talk about your dad and his legacy, and as, as well as your mom, and, and how Alzheimer's has affected your family in particular. First, I, I want to talk about you for a second. You are still in school at the UC Denver, correct? Yes, that's correct. I am finishing my undergrad there. I understand. A little birdie told me you're doing very, very well there uh, with a great, great point average. And the first thing I want to ask you is, how are you able to focus so much of the last couple of years with everything that's gone on? With the passing of your dad, with your mom's announcement that she also has Alzheimer's, with some of the turmoil that's going on uh, as far as ownership goes, how have you been able to focus so well to maintain those grades and, and keep this great demeanor that you have? Well, I think the main thing for me is just realizing this was um, a dream of mine to complete school. And it was also a dream of my dad's. He really wanted me to succeed. And, and that's what I always remind myself is when things get really stressful, I just go back to knowing that this is something that I want and that my dad wanted for me. And so that's kind of how I keep it balanced. But I will say it's difficult. I, I'm, I'm stressed most of the time about schoolwork and then, you know, all the other stuff that's going on in my family. Annabelle, I've had the pleasure of hearing you talk about your father, at, you know, at, at the Hall of Fame. I've had many numerous occasions where you've spoken publicly about it. But for those that haven't heard, what if there's one memory that you can share what, what the one thing he taught you that you will uh, take with you forever? What, what was that? I guess 
the one memory that I have just with the team and the Denver Broncos, I mean, it's hard to choose because there's so many, but my favorite would have to be the summer and going to Canton um, during my dad's enshrinement into the Pro Football Fame. Like, I still have chills, like, thinking about that moment when Greek, my family, and I unveiled his bust. It was truly bittersweet. And even though he was not there, I know he was there in spirit. He always worked towards that goal of being a legend. And that was that moment where he became a legend. And my dad always taught me, you know, you have to fight for what you want and you can't back down because that's not going to get you anywhere. You have to appreciate the small things and the big things. And you have to understand, which Brittany has said before, the big picture. You know, my dad always said, look at the whole picture. Some great advice. Um, your dad, I'm sure, taught you a lot. So I, I'm guessing it must have been devastating when you learned that your dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. When did that happen? Can you, can you pinpoint it? And how difficult was it for you and your family when this hit home? Oh, this was extremely devastating to find out about my dad's diagnosis for myself and my entire family. Uh, when I first learned of his diagnosis, I was really scared and angered and discouraged. I had always looked for him for advice and encouragement because I knew he was the most humble and intelligent person I have ever known. It was at the end of my freshman year at CU Boulder. Um, I went home the night before final exams to study. And when I arrived, my dad greeted me at the door and he seemed very confused and angered to why I had came home to study instead of being at school. And this was like very uncharacteristic of him because I thought he would be very proud of me that I had made this decision to come home and to prepare for finals. Instead, he like kept on asking me why I was there and insisting that it would be better if I went back to Boulder. And I didn't want to argue with him. So instead of asking him why he was so upset with me, um, I went to my mom and I said, you know, why is dad acting out of sorts? Like, why is he so mad? And my mom told me that he was sick. And I was like, okay, with what? And she um, hesitated as tears started to come down her face. And she then told me that he had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Now, I, at this moment, had bursted into tears, and I was just in complete shock because this is just not something that I thought would happen to this smart person or the smartest person that I had ever known. How difficult was it as a family, because I'm sure you talked about it, to go public with the announcement? I will never forget when I heard those words from Joe Ellis. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Um I, it'd been years. I, I, I'd seen your father. I, I had no notion, no idea that something was up. Why go public with it? Gosh, this was such a um, difficult decision that we had to make, especially since it seemed like a family matter and that usually people would keep private. But knowing there were so many people's lives that would be touched by his announcement, especially those who are suffering or have been affected by the disease, it was significant for us to go public. We all hoped that it would help raise awareness about Alzheimer's disease, it would remove the stigma revolving around the disease, and that it would help increase developments in a cure. 
I personally believe that my dad's platform used to make this announcement would inspire others to deal with their own Alzheimer's diagnosis. And I don't know if you guys know this, but when the announcement was made, it definitely encouraged many people to share that they too had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and they ended up sharing with their loved ones when they didn't feel comfortable in doing that before. So I know that the impact that he has made would definitely make him feel proud about going public. And, and we're proud that we decided to make this decision to go public. Well, and the family almost immediately turned to the Colorado chapter of the Alzheimer's Association. And for those who are unfamiliar, they are the premier source of information, resources, and support for people who are living with Alzheimer's disease uh, and their families. So how did they help you? How did the association help you in those early days after you found out about your dad's disease? So the Colorado chapter of the Alzheimer's Association has been right there with us and holding our hands since the very early stages of my dad's disease. And even when my mom was diagnosed, we have utilized all their amazing resources they offer as an organization. My family um, in the beginning reached out to the Alzheimer's Association after my dad's diagnosis. And we asked them, you know, what could they provide us? And, and they provided us some private care consultations and information on the Alzheimer's disease, which we didn't know much about and how, what we, what we were going to expect in my dad's journey with the disease. And they just really helped us and, and navigate every step of caring for my dad. I believe that I learned the most from what to expect and how to handle specific situations that you probably have not dealt with before. Your family and the Broncos as an organization, you've raised over $600,000 at the Alzheimer's Walk over the years, and it's been an amazing uh, event to watch, to participate in. What is your role in, in what the family has done in this endeavor? Because it's never easy to be there, and it's never easy to admit that, hey, not only do you have one family member, you have two in the family with Alzheimer's. So I and my family started getting involved after my dad's announcement and have participated in the Walk to End Alzheimer's every year since 2014. I have helped raise funds for the Walk to End Alzheimer's for our team Super Bowlin. And after my mom was unable to help with the Alzheimer's Association, I really felt like I had to step up to the plate and get involved as much as possible since she wasn't able to do that anymore. Last year, my sister Christiana and I put on an event for the longest day. The longest day is when people from all over come together to fight the darkness of Alzheimer's through a fundraising activity. And we both did a figure skating routine at South Suburban Ice Arena, which is our local rink, in an annual show called Showtime on Ice. And the routine was dedicated to both our parents and the, their fight in having the disease. I mean, it was very, it was a special moment. Um, and everyone watching just really kind of had a more understanding of what it is like to be someone either living with the disease or have a loved one with the disease. Um, there was not a dry eye in the audience after we had finished our routine. Um, in 2018, the Broncos started a training camp practice called Alzheimer's Awareness Day, where fans were encouraged to like wear purple, make a donation, and show support for the Alzheimer's Association. During this training camp, my family and I helped collect donations for the Alzheimer's Association, and it was 
it kind of reminded me of my mom back in the day when she did the Bronco Wives food drive. We were really out there interacting with these people and, and getting them to donate to a cause that is so important to us and, and many others who are struggling with this disease. My involvement has really stepped up and, and I think I felt responsibility um, for my dad and my mom to, you know, share what they, you know, were driven by and, and how important, you know, this disease needs to come to light to the public because there's just so much stigma around it. And, and we need to bring attention and bring awareness to it. Shortly before your dad passed, your mom went public as well with her announcement that she has Alzheimer's. How, for those of us who've experienced it, because listen, I've had two members of my family that have, um, passed from that dreadful disease. What, what differences do you notice? What, have you, can you give us a little feedback for those who have never experienced it, what to look for? I guess when you realize that someone that you love is making these odd mistakes or forgetting about, you know, your figure skating competition next week or, how to get to the park every day that you drive to. That's when you really need to take a step back and really evaluate the situation, that something isn't right and it's important to find out what the issue is. And and that's kind of what happened with my mom is we just started to notice certain things that were not normal of her. And she loved driving and she, didn't want to drive one day. Hmm. She hadn't driven in like months. And we just thought that was so strange because my mom loved driving. Um, so certain things like that, you just, um, you really want to find out what's wrong and, and it's important to go seek out help and, and get some answers. And I highly suggest maybe even getting tested before things like that happen, because the earlier you catch this disease, the better, the treatments will be for you. What What are the treatments? Well, there, there are things out there that slow the progression of the disease, but there is not a cure for this disease. And there is no stopping it for, from eventually taking you over. There's just nothing there yet. And, and I mean, there's progress being made, but it's, it, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I, I can't imagine what you and the family have gone through. Um, your mom and your dad, you've been trying to live through this for the last 10 years. Um, they say that this disease is worse on the family members than it is on the people who are afflicted. W- would you agree with that? Um, I would have to agree with that. I mean, it's been an emotional roller coaster for my family and me. There's there's ups and downs, and they come in waves. And I, I can't tell you if... Um, you know, they really understand what's going on with them. There's a part of me that kind of believes that they get it, but they don't fully get it. And I think worse as caretakers and caregivers, we're seeing this firsthand and uh, we're seeing our loved ones forget memories and forget possibly who you are. And that, and that's, I think that's the hardest part for someone who is taking care of someone with Alzheimer's disease. I mean, I recall moments when 
My sister Brittany would call me and tell me she had a full conversation with him, my dad. And so I would jump into the car, drive over to the house. And as I arrived, I thought I was going to get the same response from him, like this good old conversation and telling me about life and how to, you know, tackle the next moment. But it it wasn't the case always. Um, when I got over there, he began being quiet and, and I felt sad that I didn't get the same response or um, conversation that my, my sister had with him. And I learned that you can't take things too seriously. And if you do, it will eat away at you. You kind of just have to laugh about certain situations. And like my dad kept finding ways to drive his car to the office. Like he would literally get in the car and drive to the office and go sit at his desk after he had already left the office and, and made this announcement. I mean, no harm was done, but it was an alarming situation. But we were just reminded that he was not going to let this disease define him. And he had so, shown so much courage, and I felt it was necessary to do the same. He truly was so strong, and we have always called him the champion of someone who is living with the disease. Um, because there were many doctors and, and people that told us that he was not going to be able to walk and feed himself. And my dad was walking till he passed away, which is so strange for someone who is living with Alzheimer's disease. They usually lose this ability to walk. And the challenges that we have faced over the years with my dad, I have like it's given me understanding of how to handle my mom's diagnosis. I've had honest regrets with how I handle my father's diagnosis. And I knew that it would give me clarity around what I would do differently with my mom. It was hard knowing what to do when my father was diagnosed. And at times I felt hopeless, but over time I was educated and just spending time with them and sharing memories and just finding ways to bring light to a situation that kind of just seems so dark. What's the best piece of advice you could give somebody who is living with somebody who has Alzheimer's? Okay, so I would be lying and putting on a show if I told anyone this is all a breeze. The truth is whether you are someone who is suffering or caretaking, this is the toughest thing you will probably ever have to face. And it is hard to see someone that you know and love facing the disease or even being that person who has it. Just know that you are not alone and that there are people there to help you and support you, just like the Alzheimer's Association. Um, they have excellent resources for anyone who is currently facing this disease or is having to become a caretaker for a loved one. My advice is stay strong and feel all the emotions. And the biggest advice someone gave me which I still use today, is don't correct them, just smile. Good stuff. No wonder you smiled so much during this interview. <laughs> I know. You just kind of have to smile your way through the hard, the hard times and the struggles. I, I mentally prepared myself that I was not going to cry during this interview because when I first started speaking about my story, I definitely got emotional many times, and it was hard to keep going on in my speech or, or in my conversation about my story. And there, there definitely are tears, but I think, um, you kind of just have to stay strong and, and show courage and, and give people a good example of how to deal with things and definitely don't hold things in, but, um, just stay strong because you're not the only one who's 
dealing with the same situation. Well, you gave a great example today. You, you, this this was wonderful. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I could talk forever on Alzheimer's disease if I had to. I have so many more stories to share, but um, I'm glad that I got to be a part of this. And, and thank you for um, allowing me to have this platform to discuss my story. When we come back, we'll be joined by Dr. Huntington Potter. He is from the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. We Are Unstoppable is sponsored by University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus, a world-class medical destination at the forefront of education, science, medicine, and healthcare, right in the center of the Rocky Mountain region. We're speaking with Dr. Huntington Potter. He is a professor of neurology. He is the director of the CU Alzheimer's and Cognition Center at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus, and he is a member of the Linda Cernick Institute for Down Syndrome. Hello, Dr. Potter. Hi, how are you doing today? Doing just fine, thank you. Now, earlier in the show, we spoke with Annabelle Bolin. She is the daughter of Pat and Annabelle Bolin, the Broncos owners, on the devastating impact Alzheimer's has had on her family. And as you and everybody else knows, both of her parents, Pat and Annabelle, had or have Alzheimer's. Now, every day, thousands of families like the Bolins are forever changed by this disease. And from what I understand, nearly 6 million people in the United States now have the disease. Why is this so complex? Why is this so mysterious? Why is this so deadly worldwide? That's a very good question, and there are two parts of it. First, we've begun to recognize that what used to be called just normal aging um, is not always uh, normal. It may involve a neurodegenerative disease such as Alzheimer's disease. So what used to be considered an extremely rare uh, occurrence several decades ago has now become recognized as extremely common as you say, affecting almost 6 million people in the United States and many more worldwide. Right, you came to the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus about seven years ago. You started the University of Colorado's Alzheimer's and Cognition Center, and it is now one of the major research centers in the country. So if you will, please give us a little, um, a little tour of the facility. Uh, tell us exactly what you do there. Well, there's an old phrase of a center with out walls. This is actually a center with many walls. We have a memory disorders clinic where uh, people with cognitive problems, memory problems, uh, even ordinary aging-related cognitive problems are seen by first-rate clinicians. We have one of the largest collections of uh, people who are behavioral neurologists uh, here at the University of Colorado. And uh, they see people upwards of about 2,700 a year. Back uh, when I came, we were seeing about 100, 150. So that's a huge, huge uh, growth of the center as a clinical center. In addition, of course, we focus on research in neurodegenerative disease, including Alzheimer's disease, all the way from ideas and test tubes and mice uh, through human studies. Dr. Potter, uh, tell me if I've heard correctly, uh, you might be on the verge of announcing some breakthrough research on a possible new treatment. Can you tell us anything about it? Well, I can't tell you very much because it's still being reviewed by the uh, 
and a potential journal. Um, but I can say that we have been working on it for seven or eight years now. Uh, the results look very promising that a long-studied FDA-approved drug for another purpose may be repurchasable as a treatment for, for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, but until the reviewers have looked at it and the uh, journal agrees to publish it, I shouldn't give you any specifics other than to say that we're very hopeful. Well, we'll certainly keep an eye out for that. Uh, look, I'm 64 years old, Dr. Potter. So I, I'm one of those guys who will walk into a room and forget why I walked into the room. Or I'll try to recover a name in my memory. I'll try to remember somebody's name and, and sometimes I'll be successful and sometimes I won't. How do you know when a person's mental decline is just a normal part of the aging process and when it might be Alzheimer's? What you need is a very careful analysis by an expert physician, which will include not only paper and pencil and verbal question and answer, um, but it will also involve a, uh, a review of your past history, both with you and with your family. And it will also involve a brain scan, uh, maybe more than one, which will basically help them decide whether you have what we would call normal aging-based cognitive decline or a neurodegenerative disease. Um, and there isn't really any way to know yourself until an expert uh, uh, collaborates with you. Well, does mine sound normal to you, at least so far? Yes. Okay, that's good. You, you sound perfectly normal. I have forgotten what I was doing in a room since I was 20. Um, it depends upon how distracted you are. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Hey, tell me what the early warning signs are so that you yourself or, or maybe somebody close to you can recognize that you might be having the onset of the disease. The main uh, sort of, well, I would say the most common uh, indicator is a problem with short-term memory. As to say, if somebody has been told a fact and doesn't remember it five minutes later or tells the same story over and over again, um, that's an indication that there may be a problem. Is there an age range where, where this could start? Oh, well, it can be as early as 30 or as late as 90. Now, of course, it's very rare for somebody to develop Alzheimer's disease in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, except, of course, for people with Down syndrome, and they're uh, at very high risk for Alzheimer's disease and very often show uh, the symptoms much, much earlier. Uh, but for somebody like you and I, uh, the basis of our cognitive uh, reserve and our ability to work in our normal lives is often indicated by our families. And it's often true that the family recognizes the problem before the potential patient. So if uh, your family says, you know, I think you really should go to the memory disorders clinic, uh, take them up on it. But from our conversation, I would say you don't have to worry. That's good to know. Um, Dr. Potter, we know there's no cure yet. We know you're working on it very hard. Um, but is there something somebody can do to postpone or slow down the onset of Alzheimer's? That's a hope that we all have, and we've worked uh, in many laboratories around the world to try to find something that would you know, postpone the inevitable. Um, I don't want to say perfectly inevitable because there are many people who are in their 90s who are perfectly cognitively intact. 
Um, but what we do know is that exercise is tremendously helpful. The Alzheimer's Association often says that what's good for your heart is good for your brain, and you should take that to heart and brain. And exercise is the best studied and best uh, validated postponer of both heart and uh, brain uh, decline. What about exercising your brain itself? I mean, there's an urban myth that doing crossword puzzles, doing Sudoku, um, trivia games, things like that, keep you sharp and will continue to keep you sharp. Any truth to that? There is some truth in the sense that if you become uh, adept at a particular cognitively challenging activity, such as uh, uh, listening to one of those telephone menus and answering the questions, you become better at that, but it doesn't necessarily translate into being better at everything else. Uh, so that urban myth is uh, partly true, but only for the particular uh, problem that you're working on. Uh, a better approach is, as I say, lots of exercise and a very good Mediterranean-style diet with more vegetables, more um, you know, fish, uh, more olive oil, and less uh, animal fats. But again, that's, uh, you know, for every person to uh, to be uh, considerate of their own health. Uh, some people uh, are very, very healthy without the Mediterranean diet and probably could benefit from it uh, anyway. Yeah, chocolate seems to help me. I don't know why, but chocolate just seems to help me. <laughs> I think chocolate probably helps a lot of people. Um, for one thing, it contains caffeine, and one of our studies early on showed that caffeine improved cognition in mice, and uh, there are some data in humans that suggest that that may also be helpful. But I have to say, the amount of chocolate you would have to eat in order to get enough caffeine to do you any good is probably larger than you should. And that's about how much I probably eat on a daily basis. You have been fighting this disease for almost your entire professional life. What makes you and your staff at the University of Colorado Institute's Medical Campus so unstoppable in, in attacking this thing and, and trying to find these breakthroughs? We will never give up. Every time we try something and it looks promising, but then more work looks as though it's not as good as we thought, we just get ourselves up and try something else. The number of ideas for improving diagnosis and treatment of Alzheimer's disease is, is very high. And we have to focus down on the ones that look most promising. Not only are we looking at new ideas for diagnosis, you know, let's say with a blood test, but we're also looking at new drugs that uh, might be repurposed for Alzheimer's disease, including the one that we're hopefully going to publish soon. Uh, the Bowen family has been a good partner of yours. Absolutely. And, and that's uh, in many ways. Not only have uh, some members of the family visit us in our laboratory, uh, but they've been supportive of the Cernic Institute for Down Syndrome. And, of course, they're working very closely with the Alzheimer's Association, which is one of our supporters. We have a grant from them. Uh, so we're one uh, very dedicated group of people who are not going to put this to rest until we solve the problem. And our collaborators in the community, including the Bolands, are absolutely essential for this collaborative work. Without them and people like them, we couldn't do our work. Well, it's nice to hear so many people are trying to find a cure for this terrible, terrible disease. Dr. Potter, really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Anytime.
Thanks for listening to We Are Unstoppable, sponsored by the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. You want more Unstoppable stories? Subscribe to our podcast wherever you find and listen to podcasts. You can even ask your smart speaker to play We Are Unstoppable podcasts. And you can visit us at our website, unstoppablepodcasts.com, for more episodes and ways to subscribe. That's unstoppablepodcasts.com. Subscribe today.